All right, everybody. Thanks so much for stopping by another live episode of Real Estate Titans, sponsored by Lion Bolt Media. I'm your host, Greg Fowler, traveling throughout the marketplace, interviewing the top real estate professionals in our field, essentially gathering insight, inspiration, really drives and motivates these top producers above and beyond everybody else in what I'd like to consider a real estate titan. Now, our very special guest and feature titan for today for episode 209, all the way from Washington State. Well, technically, he's all over. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit because technically, right, Gustavo, you're not in Washington right now, but um, headquarters, all that thing. So Gustavo Munoz Castro. And hopefully I didn't butcher that. I'm sorry, um, you know, that way, I guess. But uh, anybody who really knows you and loves and respects you, um, they can refer to you as Gus. So uh, Gus, uh, we're, we're fast friends and that sort of thing, but it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so, so much, Greg. I really appreciate it. Glad to be here. Yeah, this is fantastic. And I can't wait to dive into the series of questions. Really, everybody out there to get to know you deeper as a person, a professional, and really what you do to the highest level, guys. So uh, without further ado, let's just dive in. The first question ended up being introducing yourself. Who are you, Gus? Where are you from? What got you into the biz? Your, your life path to today? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you know, Gustavo Munoz Castro, born and raised in Tijuana, Mexico, on the border with the U.S., so, you know, I grew up in kind of a binational, bicultural environment uh, by being a border kid. Mm -hmm. Most of my family lived in California. So grew okay. up in California, lived in California, and they always made, made fun of any cousin that spoke English with an accent, which is why I picked really quickly, I picked up that, you know, that, that Southern California accent, right? So, uh, you know, and, and I knew there's a Southern California accent because I was, I've, I've been traveling around the world, you know, these last few years and people will say, oh, you have a great Southern California accent. I didn't even know that was a thing, right? Like, isn't that like just standard English? No, right. no, we have an accent, right? Awesome. So, so, you know, that's how I, I, I started, you know, on, the, on this journey. Uh, I went to school in Mexico. I went, I was trained as an engineer actually. So, you know, always was a math geek, loved numbers. Yeah. I was really good at that. And I was always trying to find a way uh, to make it in the U.S., right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, my, my path was kind of pointing me towards Mexico. But I'm like, okay, what's the hottest thing in the U.S. right now? This was the late 90s when I went to school. Mm -hmm. And it was the Internet, right? right. It, was, it was technology, engineering. It's like, okay, this is my way. So I'm going to get a shot, right? Mm -hmm. So I studied that. And Microsoft recruited me out of, out of school, out of, out of college, essentially, awesome. for yeah. a couple of internships. Uh, and I got to, you know, as a kid, I said, you know, figure this out. As a kid in Mexico, uh, not, I was not a poor, from a poor family, but we were not wealthy either. My parents were teachers, so sure. professionals. So we had a, a comfortable lifestyle, but it was, you know, not, not like a, like a, like a, like an awesome, you know, American lifestyle. I, I admired that. I wanted that. Right. I always thought that's amazing. And getting flown out to Seattle, Washington to interview there, to, to know, you know, to, to get to see everything there was amazing, a life-changing experience. Wow. And they hired me. I interned for a couple of summers. I got to shake Bill Gates's hand as an intern, which was amazing. <laughs> That's huge. And then uh, I, I moved there full-time to Seattle in 2004. Wow. Um, and that was the beginning of that journey. And again, growing up on the border, in, in a developing country, you know, like Mexico, <laughs> making it to Seattle with that kind of a job you know, was like a like dream come true. Right. Sure. And I, you know, I was working there. My wife moved up there with me. We got married and it was like, I was living the life, Greg. I was like, wow. Hey, corporate job, very high paid. You know, it was, you know, a lot of money for anyone in the U S it was a great job. Imagine oh, someone that came from somewhere else. So you would earn a, a quarter of that amount, maybe. Right. And, sure. and on your best day, life changing. It was, it was like, yeah, yeah it's a game. It's a life changing yeah. experience. Yeah, it's right? really. it's life changing, path changing. I had made it. Mm -hmm. 
there was a problem though, right? Mm. And this didn't become apparent right away, okay. but it, it became apparent as I was climbing that corporate ladder. I became a manager within a few years at Microsoft. Mm. I saw the path, the corporate path they have. Yeah. Places like Microsoft are really, really good at designing those pathways for you. Hmm. Like, okay, if you want to become an individual contributor, you don't, you're not good with people, be technical, do that. Go, be, go like an architect, like a super awesome engineer type. You want to become a manager, you want to get, make it to vice president, you want to be a director, then there's a people management path. Like wow. find your path, right? Within Microsoft, it's such a big company, right? So it's a great place. Hmm. I realized that I was becoming unsatisfied. I realized, and, and, and this, is, this didn't happen the next day. I stayed at Microsoft for almost 10 years. Wow. I realized there was more, more to it for me, right? And it starts showing up by having a little bit of, you know, it's harder to get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. You feel a little bit less motivated to do what you have to do. Wow. It's a little bit harder to go to that meeting. And one more meeting, talk about those features, talk about that piece of software. It was hard to get excited about it. And mm-hmm. it crept up on me. Yeah. And then uh, the big thing that happened, and I got to give her credit, my wife got licensed in real estate in 2008, right? Okay. So just as the world was ending in real estate, for those oh. who remember that, it was a big, big, big situation. Unreal. And, and she got licensed and, and became the rookie of the year by closing like eight transactions in the year. That was like an amazing feat Whoa. in 2008, right? Sure. But kind, of a, kind of a sign of the times. And, and so, you know, I, I, I got licensed in 2010. She kind of pulled me into it. I wanted to help her, like help her out. I yeah. was an engineer. Right. No real estate. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm on the technical track, man. That's not my thing. And I just got pulled into it, right? I would help her with clients, with her events, you know, her first couple hires. And Greg, it started to happen where I was more excited to work with her nights and weekends, right? Like nights and weekends with her, go with her to open houses, meet, go to the office, meet other agents, you know, uh, help her pick a brokerage to go to. And she, she started her own brokerage for a couple of years and then she moved back, back to another brokerage. I was more excited to do that than to do my nine to five job or, you know, a Microsoft nine to nine job, right? Wow. It's not like there's no nine to five. What a sign. And it just, it just became yeah. too much. It became mm-hmm. too much. And the, really the life changing thing that happened for me on a really personal level yeah. was my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's at age 65, too 65, young. probably too 20 young. years before that should happen. Yeah. Um, and, and that was in the end of 2012. Mm-hmm. It was like a, like a seismic event for my life. Cause you're always thinking, Hey, I've got time man. Mm-hmm. I've got time. I'll, I'll, I'll make those changes. I'll, I'll look into that new skill set later. And, and later might be a lot sooner than you think Correct. Uh, to be really honest with you. Yeah. So 2013, I made the change. I said, I'm not waiting any longer. I'm going to bet on myself and I'm going to go into real estate full time. Right. Huh. Let's see what happens. Let's jump into it. Right. Sure. And I, and, no. And you know what? Let me take it back. I, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, that was exactly what happened. So I, I told my wife, I'm going to help you build your team and set you up for success okay. for six months. And then I'm going to go back into tech. It was a six month hiatus. It was yeah. six, so I, the engineering mind always like <laughs> planning for the potential. I was like, yeah. no, no, I'm, go- I, I'm going back. I'm going back. Love it. And I haven't gone back. That's the truth, right? It's been seven years, almost eight years now. Wow. Um, and and, and I, I went into real estate, started a team, built this company, Power ISA. Now I have 85 uh, team members, full-time employees. And we're, you know, we've got 600 clients all over the U S and Canada, and we are not looking back. Right. It's like full oh, steam ahead. What an incredible story, Gus. And, and when you're talking about it, you, you said it right. I mean, you were literally talking about your path at the very beginning and, and making it to the highest of levels and, and what an opportunity to work as an engineer at Microsoft and, and learn and grow and, and really use that engineering mindset to really uh, understand the technical aspect. You, 
your passion was really redirected through what you had mentioned with your wife and, and your, your excitement on the weekends and the nights to do that. And what, and to me, what a sign, what a sign. I mean, it's not like we're all waiting for the right time or the, the sign or the signal, but you know, as you stated, it, it was harder to get up in the morning, right? There, there was, there was decisions that you were going through that made you down the path that you were there. And, and I'm so glad that you did what you did, Gus. And I know there's so many who, people who love and appreciate who you are and what you do for the industry and the community. It's huge. And, and again, if you didn't make that, that leap, and if you didn't really take that chance, even ca- as calculated as I'm assuming that it was, right? Um, Very, extremely, way too much, overdated, right? but you know, exactly, hey, right? Hey, you're where you're at. And I'm glad because we're talking right now. So, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, everything happens for a reason. So when we talk about from software engineer at Microsoft to real estate professional to really operating and owning and, and, and running this incredible machine, which is Power ISA. So uh, for anybody who's watching or listening, could you share a little bit about Power ISA, kind of what it's about, what it, what it is, and, and what they could be looking out for, that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so, so I, I want to go back to when I was, you know, running a, a real estate team. Mm-hmm. The hardest thing for me with my, the agents that worked for me, and even myself, right, was avoiding a very common issue for real estate agents, right? Mm. Where we don't, let's say we start, we don't have any business, we're generating business, we're making the calls, we're, we're meeting people, we're, 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 we're lead generating is what it is, right? right. But we're, 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 we're attending open houses, door knocking, calling people up, whatever it is to make, drive up that business. Mm-hmm. And then we get busy, right? We get busy, we're managing transactions, we're closing deals, we're negotiating inspections, we're doing all the work, we're showing houses to mm. clients, we're doing all the work of managing the business. And then you realize, hey, well, I, I've got nothing in the pipeline anymore. My pipeline right. is dry, right? Sure. After these next couple of closings, I'm back to square one. Where, where are we, right? Sure. So it's that kind of, you know, you know that, that roller coaster uh-huh. of income that is very easy to get into in real mm-hmm. estate because it's a commission-only kind of business. Sure. Um, I remember being trapped in that, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I rolled it back and I said, okay, I've got a team now. I have leverage. Mm-hmm. What am I missing to help me leverage that lead generation and lead conversion? And okay. I discovered the ISA role, inside sales agent, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm with Keller Williams. I was Keller Williams at the time. Um, and they were huge on that model. They were talking about it. A lot of really big performers in the company were implementing it. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well, let me look at this. And I looked at it. I thought it was one of the solutions I could put in to that situation for me and my mm-hmm. team. And as an engineer... I said, okay, wow, this is really interesting. This is a very scalable model, right? Mm-hmm. This is, and I bet I could build a team of ISAs hmm. to service my team and maybe other teams within my brokerage, right? Okay. So that was essentially the problem I, I set out to solve. What hmm. Helping agents with the lead generation and the lead conversion part of their business, which hmm. is, a, is a huge problem, right? It's a huge, huge. concern. Yep. Uh, it's a burning need that a lot of folks had. So mm-hmm. that is the purpose of the company, help people with that problem. And, wow. and that's how we started, like with four or five ISAs that were working for myself and for other teams uh, within, within Bothell. And, and we've grown from there. So now we do all kinds of you know, outbound prospecting, inbound lead generation, conversion, nurturing, converting to appointment, all that fun stuff. Uh, you know, Gus, when you're talking about that, and I find that the the best inventions are made out of necessity, and you lived it and you breathed it in your true business, and you're absolutely right. There's everybody who's watching and listening to this, everybody goes through that issue, right? They go up and down, and we're so focused on, you know, generating and prospecting and doing what we need to do, the basics, and we get really busy, we get taken away, and then it goes like this over and over. And 
to really facilitate that. So the constant pipeline building, the constant growth and, and allowing companies such as yourself or tools that are allowing you to really act upon that all day, every day, as you're taking care of the business, right? There's a difference between working on your business and working in your business and working in your business is extremely time consuming. And a lot of times it's not the highest and best uses of our time. And it's not the highest and best uses to move the needle, right? For revenue increase, for more transactions and those sorts of things. So I absolutely love that. That was created out of necessity. And, and you've obviously done some incredible things, Gus, and, and everything with Power ISA. So um, with that being said, I, I think that a lot of people out there are always concerned about, okay, well, I'm a real estate professional. Yes, I, I know I need to be generating leads. So there's all kinds of companies such as the Zillows and the Re Realtors and Ylopos and, you know, Sinks. And I mean, the list goes up, Bolt leads. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Um, whether they're generating them or they hire somebody to do it. So I guess, what advice would you give out to anybody who's watching or listening? Like, where would they start if they're going to generate some leads? And then in turn, what's the, what's your advice for them to convert those leads? Because it's one thing to pack in a bunch of leads and generate those. It's a whole nother thing to touch base and follow up and nurture and ultimately convert transactions. So kind of a loaded question, but what's your thought on that? Yeah, that's, it's a really good question, Greg. Yeah, I think every agent has to solve that problem somehow, okay. right? Every sure. agent has to figure that out. And I think the, that, the nature of that problem is so, is so it's, it's a tough nut to crack, which is why mm -hmm. we have such a high failure rate in our industry, right? Well said. Well said. And, and, you know, it's, what is it, a 50% drop off at 24 months? I mean, it's, it's a massive number. I don't think you can really point to any other industry that's, that's anything similar. Mm -hmm. And I think that one, one of the root causes is that people don't figure that out. Right. The lead generation and lead conversion aspect of their business, right? Mm -hmm. So what, you know, what, what would I recommend folks do? Yeah. I think for any new, I'm going to focus on the new agent scenario, which is Love like it. the most critical one, right? For sure. I would say folks, you got to figure out what is going to be, what are going to be your lead generation activities? Because mm -hmm. if you haven't noticed, this is a sales job, right? Sure. This is a job about talking to people, converting them into clients and converting them into closed transactions. So kind of, mm -hmm accept that i come to terms with that i think a lot there's a lot of confusion in our industry sure. that this is a, whether is this a sales job or not no I'm, this is not a sales job i'm gonna I'm, i love contracts i'm a contracts expert no this is not a, i'm not a sales guy i am a customer experience customer service expert and i go all of those things are necessary sure you're not understanding what i'm saying if you're not a salesperson first mm -hmm. those other things are not going to be important they're not going to they're rarely going to come into play if you don't have that sales piece uh, figured out, right? Sure. And, and so I tell folks as a new agent, understand that the easiest and best way to get business is to reach out to your friends, family, sphere of influence, people that you know, right? So that's the number one thing you should be doing them mm -hmm. with, you should be focusing on. Yep. And, and here's, here's the kicker, because those are potential, asking those folks for help and growing your business uh -huh. will give you leads, right? right? People that might be buying or selling, doing something in the next six to 12 months. That's your first conversion challenge. Mm -hmm. Okay, you've got someone. Hey, you know, Ampernice says that, you know, the guy down Bob down the street is going to be selling his home because he wants to retire to Florida. Hey, that's great. You call yeah. Bob up. Bob might not be ready to work with you right then and there. Hmm. Bob might be doing this maybe six months down the line. Bob might not be convinced you're the best option for him to sell his home, right? <laughs> so the conversion game begins. The conversion game begins. And that's where, you know, people can get practice doing that. Sure. Doing it with sphere and family is the safest, best, easiest way to do it. Love it. Some people take the deep dive. 
Mm-hmm. That, those are called like met leaks. Those are the met people. Those are the okay. people that, are, that probably know who you are or mm-hmm. got referred to someone that told them who you are. Number right. one, that's great. Some people, Greg, take the deep dive and they go, you know what? I'm going to go off and talk to people that have no idea who Gus is. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to meet them and I'm going to tell them how awesome Gus is, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's where the open houses come in, the door knocking, the, the you know, calling the phone book, you know, cold yeah. calling folks. Sure. All of those things can come into play as well. Those are unmet leads. Mm-hmm. It's a whole other tactic to convert them, right? Right. We have no clue who you are, mm-hmm. right? No idea who you are. So part of the conversion game with them is having them understand who you are and how you can help them. Mm-hmm. And just focusing mostly on that because they don't really care who Gus is. They're like, sure. okay, what can Gus do for me is really their main focus. Well and, said. And, and, that's, and that's another part of that conversion game. So, so all of these things kind of figure out which game you're playing, right? Mm-hmm. Figure out which game you're playing sure. and adjust your tactics and your strategy accordingly. Okay. So the met leads mm-hmm. are, in my opinion, much easier to tackle and to convert than the unmet leads. Fair enough. The unmet leads have almost limitless scalability for mm-hmm. your business, almost okay. limitless growth. You figure out how to convert, how to get deals out of door knocking. There's a lot of doors to knock in your city, in your county, in your whole region. And if you can't do it, you build a team to do it and you're going to figure it out. But sure. it starts with the activity, figure out the activity. And, I, and all that preamble to also, I want to talk about internet, right? Yes. Internet is another form of those unmet leads, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I hate it when people want to focus too much on internet, like it's the be all end all. Sure. It's another way to get unmet leads. It's a very mm-hmm. efficient way to get unmet leads, right? It's great to get people through the door. They don't know who you are. They have no idea why they should work with you. And that's the kind of approach you have to take when converting them. The mm-hmm. ISA comes in and helps with right. those activities, right? Because sure. these people have no idea who you are, Greg. They're not going to return your call. You got to call them more than once. Right. They have no idea who, why you're texting them. You got to text them more than once. Right. Because you got to get their attention. You got to mm-hmm. get their attention and you kind of keep at it. One of the main frustrations that I see from mm-hmm. newer agents that are working these unmet leads or, and this is funny that these two groups of folks have the same issues, experienced mm-hmm. agents that only work with met leads and brand new agents that have never worked unmet leads have mm-hmm. the same issues. Right. Hey, these leads are not returning my calls. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking to them and they're not, you know, they don't want to work with me. They don't qualify. They don't want to buy. Mm-hmm. I go, you know, th- th- you're giving, you're typically, typically giving up too soon. Right. And when you're talking to them, you're not prepared. You don't have the scripts to mm. convert them because much more so than a met lead, someone in your sphere, sure. you need to be prepared. You got to know your scripts when mm. you're talking to an unmet lead because they have no context about you. They have no sure. reason to know, like, and trust you, right? You mm. kind of have to earn that from the get-go. And one of the best ways to do that on a consistent basis is knowing your scripts and objections, right? So met leads, scripts and objections, I would say are an absolute must. Okay. And that, and people transitioning from a met database referral and recommendation business over mm-hmm. to a unmet lead based business, or they want to add that to their business I can see. really struggle with that. It can be kind of a challenge for them making mm-hmm. that transition from met to unmet. And when new people go right at it, they run into it right away, right? So sure. that, and that's part of it as well. And that's, mm-hmm. part, again, I'm describing parts of what the ISA does. ISAs yeah. have the exact same challenge. The mm-hmm. difference with the ISA is they don't complain about having to learn scripts and objections. Right. <laughs> that's, really the, that's really the biggest so thing. True. It's their job, right? That's Full-time. exactly what they're supposed yep. to do. And they don't have to complain about making calls all day. It's their job to make <laughs> right. calls all day. So that's a little bit of the difference. But going back to your question, right? Yeah, it's a long yeah, yeah. answer to say, no, no, understand what game you're playing. Mm-hmm. And that, and that both things have like different rules and you can be, and you need different to do different things to be successful. 
Oh, and that's so true. And there's so much information for people to assimilate with that, Gus. And I love that because anybody can pause, rewind, listen, reach out directly to this man, obviously anytime. But Gus, when we're going through that, I think that there's some crucial points that you had mentioned, you know, really looking at it from the standpoint is understanding where you're coming from and, and what objective you have. And then ultimately reverse engineering that to what are the actions that I need to do on a regular basis to get that done. Now, what I will uh, vouch for for you very specifically on top of everything is the best producers and professionals understand the value of their time. And it's not to say that as real estate professionals, it's not the best and highest use of our time to pick up the phone for leads or send text messages or emails. However, what I will say is uh, you really got to evaluate what your current situation is. If you are newer into the business and you're able to trade uh, your time instead of money, a lot of people do that. But as you grow in scale and revenue comes in the door and you have more of that and discretionary investment, the sooner you can invest that into leveraging your time to the highest and best uses and allowing somebody such as yourself and your company to do those things for you, that's where things change. That's where it's a game changer. Your business can dramatically increase. And, and, and I vouch for that for so many people that I work with over all these years and the best real estate professionals in the world, they'll all echo this thing over and over and over again. So with that being said, I think people are always wanting to move the, the needle, Gus. And, and uh, again, trusting your expertise and knowledge and, and just everything that you've done and seen in your world and, and working with all these amazing professionals you could project it either way. If you want to look at your business thus far, or if you want to look at some of the amazing professionals that you've worked with over all this time frame, and you could give a piece of advice or two to anybody who's watching or listening, what would that be? How would you recommend somebody moving that needle in a big way? And I'm not just saying to newbies, I'm talking about to seasoned pros. Um, you know, what advice would you give for them to really move that needle for 2021? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. So I would say, so, so, I mean, looking at, looking at for my business, uh, the thing that I had to get through to get past the, the limiting belief or my, I guess, natural tendency that was holding me back. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess number one was getting on the phone. Cause I didn't, I, I was an engineer. I, I didn't get on the phone for prospecting. Yet. That was a, that was tough to do. That, that's a little easier. You know, it's not that hard, yeah. but the thing that was really a challenge to, that enabled me to scale my business far beyond anything I thought was possible okay. was learning how to hire, develop, train, and if necessary, let go of members of my team. Oh, wow. Okay. That's the game, right? I mean, wow, if you want to, if you want to have anything, even if you want to have a small team, sure. you have to kind of figure that out. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if you want to scale anything to, to, you know, something that's going to last something that's going to be uh, consequential, Mm -hmm. then it's an absolutely necessary skill to master, right? Because wow. we have success through people. We have mm -hmm. success through people. And, and that's, soft, that's true in software. That's true in construction. Mm -hmm. That's true in anything that, that involves, you know, an organization, right? Sure. So, uh, and ultimately, as a leader of a team, as a leader of an organization, whether that's a five-person team, or in my case, almost a hundred-person company, yeah. uh, it comes down to your ability, your willingness, I will say, I think it's a learned thing. I don't mm -hmm. think, I think very few people have like a, the natural skills, natural abilities to lead in that level. I would uh, agree. And it's not, and it's not just lead. It's, it's, it's building. Can mm -hmm. you build? How good are you at building things? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I would, I would hear people like, you know, Tim Heil, who's a huge Keller Williams agent, mm -hmm. Lance Loke and another huge agent, um, you know, and had these 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 person organizations. I'm mm -hmm. like, how do they even, I was struggling with three people, yeah, right? Sure, sure. Meeting my goals, 
and and training them and letting go of it was very hard for me to delegate because I again mm. engineer coming from I was super detail oriented yeah, yeah. Um, it'd be hard to let go I would bring in a I would hire a person and it would be more work for me because I had to go check everything they did it, it, it that tendency to micromanage and to not be able to delegate has been the biggest thing I had to let go wow. and okay. was letting go yeah. uh, understand and and understand that to develop people, hmm. uh, you had to let them make mistakes. Sure. You had to call them out when they were not meeting the goal, right? Mm. Being clear, being clear with the goal. That's another yep. thing. You know, yeah, my, for sure. One of my coaches, D.R. Whitson from the Pacific Northwest, I hmm. uh, would always say, oh, it's usually your fault as a leader when someone's underperforming. <laughs> Typically, oh, you have a lot to do with it, right? When yeah. someone's failing. So True I'm not going D.R. in that and saying, yeah, it's probably you, right? Yeah. Um, you know, but, but making goals clear, holding people accountable to those goals mm-hmm. right? and, yeah. and just being honest with them, uh, respect, wow. respecting them enough to be honest with them about their performance, where they're going and your expectations, hmm. all of those things, that's been the hardest for me. That's been the okay. hardest for me. And the only way I've been able to scale up is, is, is by mastering that until you find right now I, I have the best team I've ever had. Okay. I, I, and I tell this to my team all the time sure. next year, I'm going to have the best team I've ever had too, right? I love that, yeah. And, and I want you guys to be on that because mm. the organization is going to require something very different when we're at two, three, four, five hundred people. Right. When we've been, we went from, you know, 20 to, to, to 100 people, right? So, sure. so, you know, that's always going to be true. Mm. I'm always going to have the best team I've ever had, right? Wow. It, it's just that. that I'm getting better at it, right? And you got to keep up. With, with, with what I need and what the organization needs. Hmm. So, so, you know, it's now that I, now that I'm, I'm managing managers of managers in a sense, sure. yeah, a little bit less about, can they, can they tactically do pick up the phone and, and do their script? It's mm-hmm. less about that. Right. Can you develop the next leaders that we need? Hmm. Can you coach uh, raw recruits into seasoned ISAs wow. and then pick the best ISAs to become mat- leaders of ISAs? Love so that. that sense, right? So it's, it's yeah. a way different uh, challenge now mm-hmm. than it was, you know, a year or two ago. Um, and and it, for me, it was about letting go, learning okay. to let go mm-hmm. and hold my leaders accountable, learning okay. to let go and hold them accountable. And, and Gus, that, that translates for everybody who's watching and listening, any organization from the, the smallest degree to the biggest, I mean, it, it fits 100%. all the way through. And I love the fact that you're talking about evolution into not just your, your life and your career, but your business and the growth. And, you know, we're always trying to get better every day, the day that we were before, we're trying to be better than the last. And, and you're doing that same thing with your team and your organization and everything that's involved. And, and obviously the same thing for your clients, right? I mean, whatever results or conversion rates or whatever was going on to close transactions, you got that given month, year, quarter, however you want to break it down you want more, you want better, you want higher. And I, I think that that's just a relentless attitude for, for success and, you know, uh, reaching towards perfection, but we all know there's no such thing. I mean, you can, you can strive for it, you can work for it, but it's an illusion. At the end of the day, you're just trying to get better than you were yesterday and, and for everybody involved in your life. So I love that message, Gus. I really, really do. And um, any other thoughts or anything um, just, just before we wrap everything up, Gus, because I know you're just an absolute wealth of knowledge, but I just wanted to leave that open. If there's anything else you want to share with the audience or any takeaways or thought processes, if not, it's fine. I just wanted to ask. 
Yeah, you know, I just want to thank everybody for their time. And, you know, kudos to them, because if you're listening to this, uh, you're trying to get better at your craft. You know, you're trying to get better, you're trying to improve. I think that's the that's the, the best thing. It's very, you know, uh, kudos to everyone that's listening to this. And, you know, be hungry, right? Learn yeah. new things, get different perspectives. I mean, that's how we become better and better and better every day. Gosh, you hear it from one of the best and brightest in the world, hands down. Gus, I uh, I can't thank you enough for uh, you know taking the time to do this, and it's absolutely incredible. Uh, I know you're a super busy guy, and you're all over the world, you know, just uh, living life and making things happen. So, um, what's the best way for everybody to get a hold of you who's watching or listening to research more that sort of thing? Yeah, so my website, powerisa.com, is a great way to do it. And on Facebook, you can look look for, you, know, you don't have to learn my whole name, just powerisa, search for powerisa on Facebook. And, you know, me, I'll, I'll pop up or my free Facebook group will pop up. And, you know, we'll have the show notes as well with some great links uh, on there. So, you know, Facebook is a great way to reach out to me and my company okay. and also our website. Love it. And I'll have links in the comments down below as always for everybody. So uh, just stay tuned for that as well. But Gus, again, thank you enough so much. You're absolute incredible professional. You are a real estate titan, my friend. So I need to dub that in. That's an official title. Um, you can put it on your resume, a plaque on a wall, a trophy. They're, they're not there yet, but you are a real estate titan, my friend. So thank you so much. Thanks so much. And everybody, thank you as always for your time and attention, your love and support. If you like here with the Dream with Real Estate Titans, don't forget to like, subscribe. You know what to do at this point. I do have to give our sponsor a quick shout out, Lion Bolt Media. If you are in real estate, you're looking to grow your digital presence in your local markets and really expand to that, dominate what's happening in your world, in your area, check out lionboltmedia.com or check out the Facebook page. They got a free training video uploaded there. We are live on Real Estate Titans every Tuesday afternoon, a different Titan, a different location. We'll catch everybody in the next live episode of Real Estate Titans. Take care. Thanks, Gus. Thanks.